Dear brothers and sisters, we want schools and education for every child's bright future. We will continue our journey to our destination of peace and education for everyone. No one can stop us. We will speak for our rights and we will bring change through our voice. We must believe in the power and the strength of our words. Our words can change the world. So let us wage a global struggle against illiteracy, poverty, and terrorism. And let us pick up our books and pens. They are our most powerful weapons. One child, one teacher, one pen, and one book can change the world. Education is the only solution. Education first. Hello everyone, I'm Aisha, founder of SPOTS, and that was a snippet from Malala Yousafzai's iconic address to the United Nations Youth Assembly in 2013. And today you're listening to Seek to Speak, a podcast that aims to empower expression, spark speeches and instigate ideas. Seek to Speak. Hi everyone, welcome to season 2 of Seek to Speak and I'm Aisha. Today we have the amazing Siti Aisha Hassan Hasri, the founder of SPOT Community Program. SPOT stands for Soroptimus Puberty Education Toolkit and is a volunteer-led project that delivers information about beauty puberty and sexual abuse prevention to young girls and adolescents. Since 2015, SPOT has provided comprehensive sexuality education to over 10,000 Malaysian girls. She is also an Obama Foundation leader and is part of its Girls Opportunity Alliance. In fact, Aisha and her cohorts just launched the Gender Equality Movement Asia Pacific, an initiative to empower and support youth in advancing gender equality across Asia Pacific. And she is also the 2021 cohort of Acumen Fellows, which is a group of social innovators who aim to solve Malaysia's biggest social inequities. She is personally a huge, huge idol of mine, so I'm super fangirling. And she's also met Michelle Obama. I have, I'm, I, I have like direct connection to Michelle Obama through her. <laughs> I'm so, so lucky to have her here. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling, Aisha? I'm feeling great. A little bit warm, but fantastic. It's a fantastic, fantastic day. And thank you so much, Aisha, for having us here. Being able to be here with you is is a great honor the honor is all mine actually so let's start with our first segment which is the guest guide this is where we'll guide our listeners through your journey behind being an advocate educator and social innovator so you founded spot in 2015 due to observations that you made as a research enumerator in your own personal experience what was this research about and how did it spark that interest to start up sport and maybe tell us a little bit about your journey in the beginning thank you Isa. Even though this question had been asked to me so many times, it doesn't get easier speaking about this. This research was done when I was uh, a student in University of Malaya. Uh, I volunteered as an enumerator to collect information for medical doctors as well as uh, researchers. So my given task was uh, to go and interview about 50 plus families um, with 
you know, apa tu, my question book was that thick. More than oh, 50 wow. questions. Very thick, by the very way, thick. she was showing. <laughs> it's, it's very thick, yeah. Uh, so we we get to ask questions, uh, a range of questions from, you know, all the systems in our bodies, the respiratory system, endocrine, uh, digestive, reproductive, everything lah. We catch out all the 11 uh, systems in our body, every aspect of it. So we gauge the level of knowledge that they have, macam diabetes, heart diseases, Uh, also diseases of the uh, reproductive health uh, and reproductive system as well, including mental illnesses and sexual health. So during these interviews, I get first-hand information on how parents actually deal with children when it comes to issues like sexual impropriety, when it comes to issues, uh, you know, surrounding puberty, when it comes to issues surrounding sexual and reproductive health. And as a young person who was collecting all this data, I was like, wow, I did not see it in such a manner and I did not have this exposure prior to this and I realized how dangerous their outlook uh, or their perspective around these topics were. The way they manage uh, sexual impropriety uh, within the community is perpetuating tragedies that bear unspeakable costs such as child marriages, uh, such as baby dumping and also infanticide children when they got into trouble they were so scared to speak with their parents and seek help but they were not scared to commit crimes oh my god uh, you know so it, or, or put themselves in harm's way uh, by going through dangerous methods of, of uh, terminating the pregnancy right so these were the things that I was uh, that that It, it brought me to a spiral while I was, uh, you know, investigating. But of course, lah, I can student. So student, yeah. they don't have to do it when they research. So I was, uh, this was the conclusion that I came upon when I was doing my own research on, at the expense of, you know, the university's research. Um, so I realized very quickly that education, just like what Malala Yousafzai actually said, education is the only way. So, That was when I realized that the root cause of all these problems is what we were not teaching our children and the results we see, uh, you know, in our communities. The results are all these tragedies, also unplanned pregnancies. And then, of course, later in life, you have really, um, you're stuck in very bad relationships because of certain mistakes that you, were, you, you made because you didn't have the right knowledge. Uh, in order to go through puberty with dignity at that point of time, you know. Um, yeah, so I realized that there is a need for comprehensive sexuality education. I realized also that the government um, already uh, said, the MOE said that they have uh, been delivering uh, contents of sexuality education since more than 30 years back. Uh, so building upon what is already there within our system, uh, I quickly came up with this uh, program for kids. I went to the MOE uh, and presented it to them. I went to the MOH, Ministry of Health, presented it to them. The Ministry of Health was so baik and so sangat, sangat, sangat supportive, especially Dr. Nick Rubia. Uh, mm. She's just so, so amazing. I still work with her currently in, in the technical working group of of comprehensive sexuality education group uh, uh, until now and uh, 
And then oh we, we, we tested it out in a school uh, with 62 children. And the the principal was actually an ustaz. Uh, the reason why I chose uh, to approach an ustaz was because I said, Okay, siapa paling susah sekali yang most probably akan, you know, go against uh, wow. what I plan to do. So I was like, oh, religious leader lah, you know. And then I cari, okay, let's go cari sekolah yang uh, ada religious leader sebagai dia punya um, principal. And I went, after I bebe-bebe dengan tak pakai tudungnya, masa <laughs> <laughs> I bebe-bebe. So cikgu, macam ni, macam ni, macam ni, what, what do you think? And then the first sentence that came out from his mouth was, Aisha, this is brilliant. When can you come in? As soon as possible, please. My girls need this. Oh my God. I was like, nak terduduk, bersyukurnya kepada Allah SWT. Tak tahu macam nak cakap. I was like, okay. So sebenarnya, it's okay. And people understand mm. the need for this. And they understand that when someone is able to relate with the children and deliver it in a manner that is culturally sensitive, that is uh, human... Uh, sorry, rights-based and evidence-based, uh, it is something that can be accepted by everyone, you know. Mm. So, it's that, that desire to help because you know, you went through it uh, not long ago, those experiences. If only there's someone. Somebody. If only there's, uh, 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 to these voices uh, yang boleh membantu us ourselves overcome our experiences during that time so in initially i only set out to answer one question which is who did i need it growing up um and now here we are oh wow that is such an intuitive question to ask and such an amazing journey too it came born out of a need that was evidence-based i mean it was evidence-based from the start mm -hmm. and you're able to get stakeholder buy-in from even the most conservative like you started with the conservative you started <laughs> yes. with the the quote-unquote worst case scenario so spot community program is a volunteer-led project driven by passionate women and girls who teach other women and girls on rights-based sexuality and puberty education and you believe that education helped girls be more confident and resilient and this in turn would empower them to make better decisions now and in the future tell us a bit about how Education helps us with confidence building and resilience building, especially within our girls. I'll give you a short answer to that. Actually, it's pretty simple. We, as human beings, uh, we fear things we don't know. And there's a whole lot of confusion because we, we like to imagine stuff. Especially in Malaysia. Duduk berangan. Duduk berangan. But anyway, so... Malaysia ni suka pergi spiral, tak ke mana-mana, tak mengarut-ngarut dah fikir. Because of all the information that we have, that we are exposed to throughout our, our span of lifetime ni, uh, most of the time, we pick out the negative stuff. And that's normal for our brain to do that, kan? Because its job is to protect us from things that we don't understand, things that we uh, are fearful of, um, and things that we have no comp comprehensive uh, education about, right? So, kita akan terus takut. So, when you overcome that fear of not knowing by empowering them with the right knowledge in an approach whereby it's easy for them to digest and internalize and make their own. 
that's very, very powerful. So when you are able to internalize and make your own, that will create that sense of confidence because all you want to do after that is talk about it, right? Mm. And also we teach, uh, we, we share with our, our, the children that we work with, it's good to talk about it. And you should be open about it because everyone has different experiences. And the more that you learn from other people about all these experiences in a manner or from a place of, again, having open and mindful and respectful conversations, it becomes something that builds uh, over time resilience. Because mm. the more your voice is being uttered out into the universe amongst your friends, the more you feel heard, bukan heard, H-U-R-T, heard as in H-E-A-R-D, uh, the more you feel heard. The more you feel heard, the more confident you become. Confidence ni, I tell you, is about making a series of bloody good decisions in life and making it over and over again. Lama-lama dia jadi resilience, right? Because you know, eh, no, I went through this already. I can do it, you know? And then you you challenge yourself more you are uh, because when we are having this all this conversation kan you are literally stepping out of uh, your comfort zone into the discomfort so when you mm. are stepping into the discomfort you are already challenging yourself and you keep on repeating this in your daily life eventually you'll get there the confidence will come resilience will come because that's just how it is it's very very natural As long as you continue to speak, seek the safe spaces to speak, be yourself, be confident. Oh, betul. <laughs> Dengar cakap Aka Aisha. Yes. Like, it's true. Confidence is something that is internal that you can gain through education because uncertainty is what breeds fear. And then when you have that education, then you feel confident. And when the more you feel confident, the more you put into your coin box, the more resilient you are with adversity. You're absolutely right. That's like such a great life lesson for everything, <laughs> actually. Well, for anyone, girls, boys, women, adults. <laughs> yes, even cats and dogs, you know, you need to absolutely. train them. <laughs> We need to love our pets. Okay, not so much of pet turtle because I, I haven't figured them out yet. But yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They are a confusing bunch. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, Our, I love that analogy that you mentioned, Aisa, if you don't mind. It's that uh, confidence. You just bayangkan, you add a coin box, right? And you add different, different coins. And the more lagi banyak you masukkan uh, the tokens or your coins inside the box, You know, the more confidence you are building and when it's full, that yang keras tu is your resilience in overcoming adversity. That's absolutely a perfect analogy, um, uh, Aisa. I hope I translated it well. You trans you <laughs> manifested it into like greater heights. That's incredible. You're right. Like when it's heavy with coins, you know your boundaries, you're resilient. Doesn't matter what people say about you, you're un not bothered because you're already so sure of yourself. Yes. You're extremely empowered. As well as you love yourself so so much that yeah. you know what's good for you and know what's right for you. And you are not afraid to share it out and tell people about it. 
So that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, speaking of like, we were talking about all the different educators that you have uh, uh-huh. previously. In November last year, Spot actually went online with its Puberty with Dignity virtual event, which was an absolute hit. It featured 10 amazing talks that range from self-love and self- self-care, safe and safe touches for little humans, and even materials addiction. And I love how speakers for the event included children, advocates, and health professionals. It was so inclusive. But despite this online success, a lot of what you guys do is to go on the ground, do programs for school. So how has the pandemic impacted your work and what have you done to pivot? So we didn't realize how uh, 2020, the pandemic had impacted us. I think we, we, as soon as it happened, all we were doing was thinking on how to make sure that we still we're still here providing continuously the safe space for the children to interact with. Because of course, once the pandemic happened, you're like, oh, quarantine. Oh, what happens to the kids young cannot access safe spaces? Mm. You know, what's going to happen to the ladies, the, the mothers or, uh, and the older sisters who are not able to leave the house and seek help? bring around, along the children. So we were preparing ourselves for that uh, more in, uh, than anything else. And then we were thinking, okay, how do we continue again how, online? How do we create safe spaces online? Mm. You know, without our presence, without touch, without the energy that you were talking about, right? Um, how do we do that? So there's a lot of things that we needed to learn. Uh, and we managed and we are still learning. Uh, we're not being humble, but we are still learning um, and testing out to know what actually works and what doesn't. And um, this year, we will be launching our Puberty with Dignity web-based uh, online game. Uh, no, 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 sorry, sorry. Online application. Okay, but it's, it's really, really nice. It's a platform that girls and boys can play and gain knowledge um, uh, by following the puberty journeys of uh, these characters, um, once one is a girl, one is a boy, and we are preparing also for our first uh, uh, social enterprise product, which is a monthly subscription that's based online, dedicated for parents uh, to help them have open, respectful, and mindful conversations around the topics of uh, puberty. Uh, and and many the issues surrounding puberty, including you know healthy relationship building skills, and even how as a parent yourself, to prepare yourself uh, to start to initiate these conversations, mm. right? And how do you uh, speak about it without putting in your judgment, yeah, your bias, yeah, your absolutely. own experiences uh, around this? Um, because this experience belongs to your child, mm. not to you. So there are ways uh, that you need to prepare yourself with. Uh, in order to be able to have this open and mindful and uh, respectful conversation. Oh, my yeah. And uh, <laughs> so that will give the chance to the parents not just to have those conversations with their own children, but also support us while we continue uh, working with other people's children <laughs> <laughs> who are not as fortunate um, to be able to have the same knowledge and the same access uh, to help and support that is the right of every child um, and yeah, so this will empower the parents to do that. We are also preparing for our rollout. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to reach the target that we set last year, uh, this year. So about kita banyak testing and kita banyak um, uh, apa tu, update our 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 uh, uh, modules so that it's suitable to be taught online. 
kan? Oh, um, I can't wait so for those days. I know, right? We've been waiting. We've been waiting for this since last year. So that's. I hope I'm not going to jinx this by telling you, but yes, we are hoping to be able to educate 10,000 um, children by the end of 2021, despite this year alone, everything online. Um, and and yes, so we'll be working towards uh, having people come in from different states. Uh, we have six states that's listed as far uh, as I know for now. And we will have more exciting news. We'll start uh, to uh, recruit uh, volunteers and trainers um, in June after Raya. Yay! So, okay, I can't wait. I can't wait luck. for that. Yeah, good luck. Best of luck. You don't need luck, man, because you're. this is your <laughs> thing. Like, this is just, you've done all the work. It's just about launching and I can't wait to see that Inshallah. happening. And this, Thank you. I love the confidence that you have in us. And yes, yes, let's do this. I'll definitely keep you posted. Yes, but the track record, confidence, <laughs> resilience. <laughs> All right, so that moves nicely to segment two, which is deep discussion. This is where we do a deep dive on relevant issues applicable to our guest experiences as well as expertise. So let's first yeah. look at data on period poverty. So period poverty is defined as the inability of a menstruating person to access sanitary products and safe hygienic places in which to use them. Over 500 million women and girls face period poverty across the globe each month, which is shocking to me. This results in girls being absent at school and, it, and an increased risk of reproductive and urinary, urinary tract infections. In Malaysia, underprivileged women and girls have even resorted to using coconut husk, newspaper sheets and banana leaves in place of proper, proper sanitary products. Why do you think period poverty continues to exist in Malaysia and what can we do to help with this issue? I have two main inputs to share uh, with you in regards to your question. Uh, but before I do that, I would like to share some of the stories that I have encountered in terms of uh, period poverty uh, during my time in schools, right? Story one. A girl went to see a female teacher. She had blood on her uniform. Mm. Uh, the teacher could see that she was upset, you know, uh, but she's... The teacher was not sure. She was she upset about the baju kotor, you know, bleeding, mm. or was she actually upset? Uh, uh, eh, sorry, sorry. Was she upset about getting her period? But she's so confused. But dia tak faham. She had no prior knowledge to why is she bleeding? Is she gonna die? Mm. Kind of situation. Or if the girl was actually upset, sebab takut kena marah dengan mak, sebab baju dia kotor and she doesn't know how to manage it. Hmm. So, dia pergi, dia cuci. Biasakan selalu, you know how kids uh, on the uniform, kalau ada, they just Sabun, go and try yeah. and rub it out. Try and rub it out. But blood, does it, it's it's not the same, kan? Yeah. Uh, so, the teacher wasn't sure. But the teacher asked the girl lah, cakap, uh, Uh, are you okay? How are you feeling? Now, of course, she she's not sure how to communicate. You know how mm. she feels about the experience. So, without wasting time, the teacher go. Okay, this is period you dah dapat sebab you tengah melalui akhir balik blah blah blah, and then kasih dia pad. Cakap this one you put on to your panties. Uh, the the glue side must be on your uh the surface of your panties, and then the cotton side is uh, to touch your skin. Mm. Pasu the girl uh, cakap lah, you pergilah toilet, you letak dekat, dekat pantis, nanti dah tak adalah kena baju. 
But the girl still stood there in front of the teachers and she looked even more confused. She, uh, there's something that's stopping her from going to the toilet mm. and, you know, uh, settling her bloody mess. Uh, turns out that the girl doesn't even have a pair of panties. Um, oh her parents God. couldn't afford them. And this is from a school that's, you know, within walking distance to one of the largest malls. Uh, Klang Valley. In, so it's yes. city center. City center. Oh my God. Uh, that's story number one. Story number two. This girl, she was using uh, tissues, uh, old rags and pads given away in schools and left over from her elder sister stash, Karakada Nichuri. Uh, from the age of 13, that's the age, the, the first age that she got her period, until she turned 18, because she's ashamed to let her mom know that she's got her period. Takut, kalau bagi tau mak, what if tak ada duit? Oh my mak god. Beli. A child so looking out for the parents. The parents. Dia cakap, I don't want to be a burden. Saya tak nak menyusahkan mak abad saya. And she's not sure if it will upset her mom that she started menstruating ataupun pasal pasal itulah jadi jadi burden. Uh, and dia kata kalau mak dia dah tahu dia datang period nanti rasa macam oh will she still love me the same now? Am I considered as dirty or am I considered as less worthy because now I'm uh, you know like you know how this this whole uh, imagination that you get uh, if you're a muslim and you start to menstruate the fear, the biggest fear that a, a girl would have is dosa kena tanggung sendiri now. You don't even know what that means, mm. you know. But it kept on being uttered to you over and over and over again that it becomes something that you're so afraid of that it might be just the end of the world. Mm. And you'd rather delay a little bit that end of the world for you as you know it by hiding the fact that you are menstruating. That's story number two. Story number three, a girl and her mom uses toilet rolls uh, that her mom sometimes bring back from work, so mak dia cleaner, uh, to substitute uh, from using sanitary products. Her mother too, uh, she does it too. Uh, so because her mother does it, that girl thought that yeah. that was common. Yeah. Did they oh, any common code? So when people were giving away uh, free pets at sekolah, uh, she felt very sad. Um, and she kept them at home, bringing it. Uh, the cut. She kept them at home, and then during the dekat period, she always bawa satu dekat dalam bag so that she doesn't feel any different because it's something that kawan-kawan dia buat dekat sekolah. But dekat rumah, she will use the tissues. But dekat sekolah, she will have that one. The ration. So that she doesn't have to feel embarrassed in case her friends decide to look into her bag ke, or eh, hey, I datang period, tolong kasih pet satu ke, you know? It's that. Oh. So these are the period stories, period poverty stories that I have had uh, during, the encounters that I've had during the time that I was in school. Now, the two things that I wanted to talk to you about in answering your question was, number one, our lack of awareness uh, that it is actually a problem uh, is an issue. There is not enough collect collective experience, so the problem remains overlooked, mm. 
right? Uh, and we also have a lack of real data. We do not know the real extent, but we also have uh, a few initiatives that started, but I think it got halted by the pandemic, which are like the Bunga Pet Initiative, uh, the Obulan Initiative in Kelantan. Okay, that's one. Number two is we need to create, what can we do about it, right? You, you mm. ask, uh, we need to create more conversations about it. As an individual, you need to get curious. You need to ask uh, the people around you if they have had gone through such experiences and share it online, share it within your community or share it with us. Uh, hashtag nothing to hide. Because once we have enough data and understanding of the real extent, uh, then we will as a collective, we'll be able to come together and reimagine um, the solution that is best for our girls based on our very own Malaysian experiences and, and unique troubles, mm. uh, you know, uh, own our bloodiness, own our hantu stories, <laughs> you know, uh, and own our, our, our experiences and we should be so proud of it. And with all that, we will be able to triumph over period poverty in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Like if we have more people talking about it, not feeling ashamed about it, then we can actually mobilize people into action because it becomes a problem that people cannot and no longer ignore. Uh, so second question. In 2014, the UN expressed concerns that authorities in Malaysia were, encouraged, were encouraging child marriage to curb premarital sex and children born out of wedlock. As sex outside of marriage is an offense and abortion is illegal safe for exceptional circumstances, youth are driven to marriage out of fear of prosecution. As of 2020, more than 150,000 Malaysians are married between the ages of 15 to 19. Why do you think marriage continues to be the quote-unquote solution for premarital sex or sexual abuse? And what can we do to change this mindset? This uh, question uh, is actually very hard for me to answer because my grandmother was a child bride and um, the issue that we're talking about currently affects my family and my history as a woman. So um, I'll do my best uh, to answer this uh, question of yours. I think... It continues because people feel like they have no option, no viable option to the tragedy that is in front of them. So how do we change this mindset? I, um, I invite everyone to reimagine a solution together when it comes to stopping child marriages. I invite everyone to reimagine options beyond the fear, beyond the shame, beyond the stigma the deep shame and hurt beyond the unspeakable personal costs that girls and families have to go through that forces them into committing, you know, marrying their own children and judging their singular mistake with a life sentence. Us as a society, we need to reframe the way we see sex. We need to stop hypersexualizing that that word sex. We need to create awareness of the options available for teenagers and for the families involved, we need to stop, really, these practices. We need to start engaging our children with comprehensive sexuality education. We educate in order to stop. We also need to call upon, you know, government agencies um, for strict implementation and accountability. Everyone needs to take responsibility. 
that's the solution. That's how we change the mindset towards um, ending child marriages. Thank you so, so much, Aisha, for sharing your story and your dream. And I'm sure that with all that you do with SPOT, we can surely reimagine better, better solutions and better outcomes for our girls. So now we're going to move on to our last segment, which is called Radical Roleplay. This is where we provide the guests with imagined scenarios where they would have to use their communication skills to resolve. Today, we have some empowerment scenarios for Aisha. Aisha, are you ready? Yes. All right, let's have scenario one. So scenario one is Alina is 11 years old and is currently going through puberty, but she's utterly confused and stressed out about the changes with her body. She wants to talk to her friends about it, but she's scared that she'll be laughed at as none of them seem to go through the same experience. Her mom said that this was a normal feeling, but seemed uncomfortable talking to Alina about it. Alina feels a sense of loneliness, fear, and loss of confidence. Alina comes to you for advice on how to best navigate this confusing time. What do you tell her? Pretend I'm Alina. Hi, Alina. You did great by coming to us. So there are three things that you can do in order to help you out with your, your, your feelings, your overwhelming feelings, especially of loss of confidence. You know, it's, as a teenager, this will happen a lot in your mom's exceptionally correct this time it is a normal uh, feeling and and it's a common experience to that that happens um with people uh with your peers actually people your age so three things number one you first reach out to us via whatsapp uh at 018-240-4033 and ask us any questions you want answers to especially when it comes to really healthy relationship building skills uh when it comes to puberty questions and sexual and reproductive health just ask us and number two you can even educate yourself uh, get great information which we will share as soon as you get in touch with us via whatsapp and number three invite us to your school and then it will be a shared experience there will be much more talking points for you to have in between uh, you and your friends to have open mindful and respectful conversations that's facilitated by SWAT. Thank you, Aka Aisha. I will do that so that my friends, because I'm sure they feel this way too, but we're just, you know, not comfortable talking about it. Thank you. Super actionable steps. And I'm going to share that to my uh, younger siblings as well. (laughs) Good luck, Alina. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So now we have scenario two. Nila is 15 years old and has a lot of male friends, even though it makes her uncomfortable nila doesn't protest when her male friends put their hands around her shoulders or playfully taps her on the back she wants to be liked by her peers and didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable however after participating in spots puberty with dignity online event she now realizes the importance of setting boundaries and the value of consent she wants to educate her male friends but she's scared she will alienate them what advice can you give her on how to approach this topic with her friends fantastic nila I think uh, that it's amazing that you were present uh, during our workshops. Thank you so much for supporting us. There are also three things that you need to do uh, in order to move forward in your situation. Uh, number one, you need to prepare yourself. You need to be in the right uh, frame of mind in order to be able to communicate your boundaries well. So in order to do that, you must prepare yourself by knowing your boundaries first. Oh, Kasha, Susanya, not what all these boundaries. If it helps for you to think about uh, uh, what these boundaries are, there are three things that you need to make note of when you make this list of things of uh, that makes you feel healthy or unhealthy. 
makes you feel safe or unsafe makes you feel uh, makes that is helpful to you or unhelpful to you so three three aspects that you need to figure out or think about when you are making this list of boundaries again uh, think about what is healthy or unhealthy for you what is safe what is unsafe for you or what feels safe or feels unsafe for you and lastly what feels helpful or feels unhelpful to you and for you and when you make this list uh, believe in yourself right so step one is to know yourself and make this list so that you know your boundaries in order to be able to communicate very well and then when you make this list believe in it and believe in yourself be confident that is how you communicate your boundaries well and and don't uh don't complicate things simplify things I think life is already, oh no, puberty, teenagehood, adolescence life is already hard enough. So you don't need to overcomplicate matters, just simplify it. Step number two that you can do is script it out. Imagine, Nila wanting to talk to uh, Chong, wanting to talk, talk, talk to Mikhail, wanting to talk to Haris. Okay, how, what would you do? How would you start the conversation? Then you write it, script it out one by one. And how would your friends respond to it? That's step number two that you can do to help you overcome the situation. Lastly, step number three, you need to be able to request for a safe space and spark this conversation in from a place of kindness, love and compassion. And uh, ask them, you know, we are going through this. I don't know how you guys are feeling. And you know that I love you guys. And I know that you are open enough uh, and mindful enough to have this conversation. But I really think uh, it's time that we talk about, you know, safe spaces so that I can feel safer hanging out with you guys. And you know exactly what I need and what's healthy and, and unhealthy for me and what's safe and unsafe for me and what we all can do for each other uh, to keep being helpful, uh, you know, for and to one another. Um, in requesting for the safe space, if you find it difficult to uh, get uh, something to start this to uh, this conversation, to initiate it, there is this amazing uh, video that was done by the Thames Police, I think, in, in the UK, um, about tea and consent. So you try and find Thames Valley Police video on YouTube. The title is Tea and Consent. Be very careful because there's a lot of parody that's been going on. Uh, it was uploaded in 2015, first time around, and it got around. So a lot of people have already started uh, conversations around it and also a parody uh, video. So find the right one, which is by the Thames Valley Police. Uh, the title is uh, Tea and Consent. And I wish you... The very best of luck, Nila. Somebody's ringing oh. the doorbell. <laughs> it's okay. Oh my god, Aisha, that's so incredible. Okay, first of all, I will make sure to find the correct link and put it in the show notes for so that people won't be swayed by the parodies. And second of all, I love this message of having to be comfortable and confident with what you feel is unsafe and unsafe or healthy or unhealthy. All right, so we've come to the end of the show and every single episode, I always ask my guests, why do you seek to speak? And Aisha, why do you seek to speak? I seek to speak to amplify voices of everyone that I work with. 
I seek to speak to spark conversations, which are open, which are mindful, which are respectful. I seek to speak to influence choices. Um, I seek to speak to invite Malaysians to reimagine, reframe how we see sex. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I should cut that out. But I was just like so fangirling. That is so amazing and amplify you do. Thank you so, so much. <laughs>